It's that time again for the assault on your ears. We call Lord Dorks, a Star Trek Lord Decks podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Stavros. Tonight on our screens is episode three of season four, In the Cradle of Vexila. Vexilo? Vexilon? Vexila. I assume Vexilon. Vexilon. They even say that Vexilion? character's name during the episode. They do, and yeah. you know what? God, we're those fans now who don't remember it's the names of anything. Jesus. <laughs> But Joining that club. I do know the name of what's in our cups, and that is yes. a Molly Ringwald. Get it? Yes, yeah, so this is actually my first time having one of these. It is Blanco Tequila, Elderflower Syrup, Grapefruit Juice, and Campari. And if you didn't know what Campari is, like me, that is a liqueur that is sort of herbal or kind of fruity yes. kind of bitters. Herbally, actually, fruity. I, I thought it was quite good. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised. It's. I thought the tequila would be a little bit overpowering, but the elderflower and grapefruit does a good job of kind of not really muting it, but making it more manageable. You're not shooting tequila with this drink, so I thought it was surprisingly good. Tequila is one of those things that if you mix it the right way, it's it just adds a hint of something to the drink. Right. But you know, I'm also the kind of person who'll drink it straight out the bottle because you know that's just how I am. Because <laughs> you're you. So yeah, interesting story about how this was made or how it originally came to be created. I don't remember the story, but I know there's a story. That's and really it's helpful. Fascinating. Thanks for that. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm sure you could Google it and uh, be fascinated. Just like uh, I wish I was right now. That sounds like a lot of work. A lot of work for very little reward. <laughs> I think so. Let's talk about this episode before yes. we uh, continue going on talking about nothing. <laughs> um, this episode uh, in the Cradle of Exelon. So... Uh, Captain Freeman decides to reprogram a world-controlling computer with skills from an elective she took in college, leaving Boimler to struggle with his first command mission. Meanwhile, Tendi, Mariner, and Rutherford experience a welcome to lieutenanthood that involves hazing, scanning, and, of course, alamoraining. Which I think was your favorite part, wasn't it? Hell yeah, it's like one of the best episodes of DS9. <laughs> Top ten of the whole genre. Not just <laughs> the, the IP, but like science fiction television. It doesn't get science better than move along home. <laughs> yeah, I think Rutherford agrees with you on that, huh? You know, I was, I was like watching this and I'm like, God, they just they just love the worst episodes this season. I thought about it. It's like, no, they love to reference the bad episodes throughout the whole series. Like they just, they're never like mean about it either. Right. Every once in a while, they'll point out how ridiculous something was, but it's very like tongue in cheek fun. And oh (laughs) my God. Uh, You know, and even when they like find the box in the episode, they're all just like, oh, wow, I love that game. Oh, that's a great game. And it's just like, oh my God. (laughs) Do you feel like, so this is the second time they've done that. They, They just did the Voyager bad episodes reference. And now they're in the DS9 bad episodes reference. But I mean, this, feel like this was is like one this... reference, though, wasn't it? That's true. Well, yeah, it's like one episode reference. The whole episode was about... Well, I mean, the C-plot, so. right? Because now we, we have so many characters. We have A, B, and C-plots. <laughs> they're going to have to make this That's show true. an hour if they keep adding characters. I tell you what. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering what you... There was... I kind of sorted it into the two main plots. So for the first plot, it's the Captain Freeman and Boimler on the Ringworld... I guess you could split that into two, but I kind of lumped it all up in the, the single, yeah. single plot. Yeah, and I love the fact that, so, in case you didn't get, we're drinking a Molly Ringwald, and they go to a Ringworld. A Ringwald? 
world. Yes. I see what you're uh-huh, uh-huh. In some parts <laughs> of the fandom, um, science fiction fandom, that is, they actually call ring worlds Mollies because of that. It's quite humorous. Oh. But you know what I love about yeah, this? It's pretty funny. When Captain Freeman is describing where they're going... She calls it a bespoke star system. Yes. Which is, I, I mean, it's, I got it's that too. accurate, right? <laughs> I've never heard that. That's one of those words you don't really hear used. You, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you hear it here and there, right? And usually yeah. it's in weird context. But the main thing that I always hear it in relation to, relationship to, not in relation to, it's not related to things. It's a word. It doesn't have a family. It actually does. Words <laughs> do have families, right. don't they? I'm talking oh. out my ass here. Just tell me to shut up. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm just going to let you keep going and see what happens. Like the only place I ever hear bespoke or like it's the place I hear it the most is whenever it's like hipsters, right? Hipsters mm. and their bespoke cappuccino makers and their bespoke bicycles <laughs> and their bespoke fashion sets. Just stupid bespoke everything, right? That's their thing. Sure. So it's all and I now can someone imagine. someone bespoke a whole star system. A bunch of hipster aliens... With fixed yeah. wheel starships, with handlebar mustaches, <laughs> wearing beanies, <laughs> making star systems. I love it. I love it's not just the ring world. It's also the, the system. Yeah. It's a bespoke system. Well, and you think so, about it, that ring world was pretty small for the star. It was like circling around. So like that can't be a real star. It's got to be something else. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? It is a you know animated comedy show. Maybe I shouldn't take these things too seriously. <laughs> Maybe not, but I mean that said that I love the design of it. So the the I want I keep on wanting to call it a planet, but it's not a planet. It's a ring world. Yeah, ring different world. things. Right? Yes, Corazonia is the name of the of the ring world. I love the design. I love the fact that it's not the ring itself is not rotating. Yeah, but the, the landmass is. is rotating. Yeah, ah, that was, that was cool. so neat. I kind of wonder why. Like, and the other thing is, <laughs> doesn't like wouldn't doing that eventually cause like your thing to like start wobbling? Right. I guess, yeah. So is there like a second layer underneath it that's like rotating the other way? I don't know. I mean, this is a universe with inertial dampers. So. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Who knows? Who, knew, <laughs> who needs real physics when you have magical technology? <laughs> uh, and I love this civilization that's on Corazonia. It's just a, yeah, it's the eyebrow a people civilization. Yeah, the eyebrow people are all artists. Yeah, all artists. Although, neat thing, there's a shot of the natives. They have shuttlecraft that are kind of vaguely reminiscent of Starfleet shuttlecraft, but the design's actually pretty neat. I kind of like I thought it. it was pretty neat, and it's one of those things that, like, I really like when they do, where it's it's Federation-ish, right? Right. But it's got, like, its own They're uniques. in the Federation, right? Yeah, that was the whole thing. They're Federation yeah. members, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense then, I guess, that they have Federation-like technology. I also like uh, Commander Ransom, now an expert on the arts. Oh, my God. The whole art critic scene is just fantastic. (laughs) And the best part is, it's all like, these are terrible. And then they're like, those aren't the ones I'm talking about. It's those over there. And they pan, and it's just (laughs) the same same image mirrored. (laughs) Oh, so fantastic. great. Uh, But, you know, once again, um, just showing the depth and breadth of Ransom's character. You know, just fantastic again in this episode. Just proven why he's the number one commander in all of Starfleet. We're going to have to talk about that towards the end because this this episode... You know, I just want to point out that if, like, Ransom had been in Riker's place on the Enterprise, no no problems. (laughs) Borg defeated every time they run into him. You know? Wow. Um, 
Cardassian conflict shut down first encounter you know Klingon civil war wouldn't have happened they would have named <laughs> Ransom wow. their chancellor and he would have reorganized their society into a more just <laughs> system I love it Maybe that I mean he doesn't belong in Starfleet. Put put that man in the Klingon chancellor seat and uh Well no, he he, he resigns after he fixes the society because that's that's what a good oh, leader I does. <laughs> I see. Oh god, but yes, a, a connoisseur of the arts, one might say. And then he doesn't really do anything much else on the planet. It's all Captain Freeman. And you know, she's down there to fix this computer, this all powerful computer that's uh, controlling the weather and stuff. The first symptom that they describe is a flood that happens after a river flow is reversed and i'm just wondering how does that work they show like the peak of a mountain that ha- that's like flooded and has a lot of water in it like what's keeping the water up there is, is the computer that messed up it's just yeah, it just has the not? water just flowing up to the peak of the mountain and just staying there they can like control gravity man like we can reverse the flows of <laughs> rivers true. now think about when we have like repulsor beams and shit that's true. Yeah, so I'm just imagining like the peak of a mountain and there's just like this huge blob of water that's just like floating up at the top. You know, I want to point out that they have like two engineering problems on this planet and it's like who do they send? They send one junior ensign engineer. Like <laughs> yeah. for a giant ancient mega structure that's yeah. gone haywire. And you know what? It seems like when they show up they have no idea what's going on. Like this is the worst no. crew ever. This is like what the second episode this season alone that they've shown up to a mission completely unprepared terrible terrible all around (laughs) thank god ransom is there or captain (laughs) freeman would have gotten them all killed years ago i mean this is one of the first times where she has literally rolled up her sleeves and tried to solve a problem herself (laughs) all because she had has a minor in this it seems (laughs) seems unwise although calling billups to help her literally does nothing he, he does not help at all. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I will give credit. Like, it's it's probably one of those things where, like, nobody would have... Well, actually, no, no. Probably somebody else wouldn't have just started, you know, doing things because they think they know what they're doing. They would actually analyze the system to figure out what things do. But you know what? Like, sometimes you can't. <laughs> sometimes you think you know what things do and you press buttons. And then, you know, suddenly there's a fire. It just happens. And that is That's what true. I told the cops. <laughs> You know, in this case, the computer is operating off of a six million year old operating system. So, you know, there's bound to be some problems, you know? Oh, my God. Yes. Um, I love the fact, though, that their immediate go to is has it gone evil? Is it starting to oppress your society? It's just like they're so used to that being the norm. Yeah. I mean, it's a worthy concern, you know? Um, How about so we we get to see the uh, shots of the clouds turning to ice and falling from the sky, which is awesome to see in context. But I, I keep on wondering, like, what's the science of that? Like, the same yeah, like, volume mean, of cloud turning to ice? Like, there's some fancy tech going on right there. Yeah, I'm willing to bet the clouds are just made via, like, beaming technology. And so he just keeps, you know, beaming in more water moisture into the air until it finally freezes, right? That, that's like, what happened there when he's contained until, starting? yeah, I think that's what happens. I love the fact, though, that we were talking about this in the trailer, and we're like, how does that even happen? That's completely unscientific and ridiculous. And the answer is a all-powerful AI did it. Well, I guess that's the only answer yeah, we need, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's all we needed. Yeah. Just the AI, the AI, AI did it, and uh, yeah, that's it. I feel like she also fixes everything kind of by accident. She gets the computer restarted in safe mode, but then... 
don't know, just kind of kicks it and it, you know, reroutes power. Who's a what's it technobabble? Well, I mean, she clearly says she's, she's, you know, she reboots it and then she's got to reroute the power. And like, she has some idea of what she's doing. I believe in her. She got her, she got there eventually. But for a while there, I was getting a little concerned. I feel like she was almost going to break that ring world. So, yeah. a little concerned. But, but you know, it all turned out to be okay. Yeah. And that's the uh, Freeman part of the plot. But uh, Boimler, meanwhile, <laughs> is... Uh, yes. You know, I like to point out that like 90% of Boimler's problems are all caused by Freeman. Like, he was doing fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, he didn't even need his, yeah. his subordinates. He could have done it all by himself. <laughs> Well, you know, th- this is why they're there, right? Like, they showed up to this ring world as a scheduled stop because they were upgrading the power system. So, Well, the Federation power system that was installed. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're there to to upgrade that system. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but looking at the, like, how the structures of the inside the power building are, they basically look like NX-class warp cores. Like, they ripped that part out of the NX... Yeah. Well, and that part of the warp core is really just their antimatter reactors, right? So, I mean, right. So, it makes aside sense. from the whole, but it's kind of neat. Probably a bad idea to have an antimatter storage on a planetary body. But aside from that, you know, <laughs> pretty cool looking. Uh, great design, definitely. Yeah. But you know what? We're, yeah. we're skipping over, like, before they even get there, when they first show up on the planet, the, the Zinti crew member is with Boimler. Yes. He gets a name. It's Taylor, right? Taylor? Taylor. Yes. yes. Taylor the Zinti. But that's really neat because in the episode where they go to the Ring World, which Larry Niven famously wrote Ring World stories and was like mm-hmm. supposedly the originator of the Ring World idea. I don't know if that's true or not. I feel like it's probably older. But he also wrote, I think it's Revelation Space, right? Where the Zinti come from. Right, the Zinti origin stories, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's a Same neat, author. I, I assume they did that on purpose. I refuse to believe that was random. There was tons of crew members <laughs> they could have chosen, but they went with the Zinti. Totally. Yeah. I love the, I mean, yes, that's awesome. They get to, to have both those ideas in there. But the rest of Boimler's team, so Taylor the Zinti we talked about, Ensign Meredith, the engineer, Ensign Merp, or Big Merp, another character that, actually all of these characters We've seen them in backgrounds or or they've had like little tiny speaking roles. Actually, I think in the case of Taylor, he had more speaking roles when um, Boimler joined that that kind of gang yes, of command the, officers. The red shirts. <laughs> right, the red shirts. <laughs> Unfortunately named. But this is really awesome. The continued uh, history of the random background characters eventually getting speaking roles. So I was all about it. It was great to see. Yeah, and uh, although I think Merp is really the only one that hasn't had much to do so far, right? Like, he, he's only been in the background? Yeah. Yeah, I think Merp, uh, he, it's him and Fedorov have, are fighting for the uh, most appearances in a towel in the lower decks <laughs> area of the, of the ship. <laughs> Strangely I, same body types. I did not notice that. Yeah, now you, can, now you just uh, can't unsee it. But of course, this is so. also another uh, Talin plot. Yeah, Talin's there also for some reason, um, in case of science, I think he says. I just love the fact that her response to the in case of science comment is uh, everything that has <laughs> ever science. occurred is science stuff. <laughs> it's a good point. She has a point there. So Talin is once again a one-trick pony in this episode. Just her mm, whole thing you think is so? dry responses. But yeah, it is. 
But it works in this episode. Like it does. She, I really think she was. God damn it! I'm turning into a Talyn fanboy. God. <laughs> You're becoming a fan now. Yeah, you might mean? have to. You might have to open the uh, the emergency case I sent you. It may be time. <laughs> you may need to find a new uh, co-host. But yeah, too addicted to Talyn. <laughs> I didn't actually. I'm not sure. Well, first off, I mean she doesn't do that much except for be like a coach. Or Boimler this episode. Well, but she like causes his anxiety and then turns him back around. And yeah. she does have the good jokes about, you know, the <laughs> new command officers and their mortality <laughs> the rates. Mortality rate. Yeah, yeah. Is this like coaching that she does? Is that has that been part of her character? Because before she's had I mean, so far this season, it's been a lot of indifference, right? Like, she doesn't really want to get involved. Maybe becoming a little chummy with Tendi, which is fine. But, you know, she takes this interest in yeah. in making sure that Boimler is doing the right thing. I don't think she's interested right in thing. Boimler so much as the mission. Sure. And, yeah, she even calls out Boimler in the beginning about his ridiculous, you know, pregame prep, right? <laughs> yeah. Which leads to a great scene. Okay. I refuse to accept that com badges can cause a feedback loop <laughs> i love that gag it was so good have we ever seen someone combat com someone in the same room as them though i mean in the same room no but i mean like we've seen people <laughs> using their com badges in the same area like they've yeah. got to be able to detect that i mean we have that technology now but great joke though it, all right I, yeah you know it was an okay joke uh, I actually, I'm just happy that Boimler is actually doing command division stuff. I feel like in a lot of uh, a lot of the episodes where they they kind of just pull lower deckers at random just to do random jobs, uh, which is fine, you know. But you know, Mariner uh, Mariner's been in command missions before too. What am I saying? But I mean, at least Boimler, this is like the first explicit command mission that he's had, and I'm glad, you know, once again that we have. You know, my, uh, the only other time I could think of where they explicitly do this is when Ransom is training the command crew in preparation for the Texas class um, oh competition. Oh my god! Where they're like, the Riker maneuver. <laughs> they're like, yeah, that's a command officer <laughs> maneuver. But hey, I, I love seeing the even the lower ranking command officers getting you know in positions to do command things. Oh like, my god! I love to yeah. See it. And you know, and it is a good progression for Boimler because yeah, you haven't really seen him in command too often. Although he has kind of like taken charge before, yeah, and he's he's shown that he can resolve problems, yeah, and then you know, gets killed. So, what do you think about? I mean, they show Boimler basically being worried about his officer's safety or his his underling's safety because you know he doesn't feel like he has a right to tell them what to do because he was just an ensign. But I. I'm not 100% sold on that. I mean, I guarantee that, yes, Boimler would find a way to screw that up, but I'm not sure that's the way he would do it. I feel like he might go, like, two by the book or something like that instead of just being stressed out well, about an irrational reason. I mean, this is the first time he would have been sending people into danger. You just never know how people are going to react. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I do <laughs> think, though, the whole, you know, foot hand foot hand mouth maneuver that is 100% Boimler <laughs> that was great physical comedy there where he just like turns the thing with his teeth as he's explaining it to him he's all like 
Yeah. And whatever you do, they have to remain upright. Don't put them on their side. And then he keeps putting them on their side after that. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that and when I he's like, carrying but I, Oh my god! I think though those may have already <laughs> those may have been like new canisters. So maybe it's only when they're spent. Uh, it's not okay. Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just hard to tell. It's hilarious when I think about it. Did you know there's a, a shot of Boimler answering his cop badge? Like his hands are full because he's carrying them, and he like jams his chin against his comm badge and answers it that way instead of tapping it with his hand. I did <laughs> not see shot. that. <laughs> it's in there. It's a really quick shot, but now we know you can uh, activate your comm badge with your chin. Well, I mean, it's kind of dumb that you have to actually tap your comm badge. I mean, imagine if you're restrained. You think like you could just be like, yeah. "Hey, comm badge," you know, like it's Siri or something. Yeah, you just say, hey, computer. I, I'm pretty sure that that's happened in Star Trek before. They have tap comm badges, but they just say, you know, Boimler to Cerritos, and you don't, you don't have to tap necessarily. Could be. Kind of based on the director. Maybe it's like the doors that, that, like, you never know how they're going to respond. <laughs> like, because, <laughs> right. like, you notice that throughout, like, all the series, right? They'll walk up to the door, and then they'll stop and turn around to say something, but the door doesn't yeah, open. the door's not And open. you're like, why? Yeah, Did he know intent. he was going to stop? He didn't know. <laughs> it must. <laughs> the door psychic doors on all Starfleet vessels? What the fuck, man? <laughs> it read their body language, man. What are, you, what are you expecting here? That is a level of user... I don't even know what to call that experience user experience or... that i just i don't yeah. need in my devices and you know it's not that far-fetched you see the they just announced the apple watch that you can you know dismiss stuff by tapping your fingers together on your watch hand it's it's, it's just the next evolution of that well i mean yeah but i mean that's yeah. not like you're actually physically doing something it's not like <laughs> oh yeah true. i don't want that message i don't want that. actually you know what i remember getting there they're getting freaking gadgets that you put on your head and can see what you're thinking Jeez. Yeah. Wait, but we're talking to we're talking about Star Trek here. Let's talk about Star oh, Trek. Oh yeah, yes. that's right. Lower decks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. About lower decks. <laughs> lower decks. We're lower. We're, we're, that's what we're I said. We're lower doors talking about lower decks. Yeah. There in that are. order. Yeah. <laughs> we're not lower decks talking about lower uh, decks. Though that would be a great episode. Well, how would that even go? Well, they just talk about our podcast. Oh, they talk about our podcast on lower decks. Yes. Make it happen. Wow, time traveling podcast. Yeah, exactly. I like it. That that would be a terrible <laughs> episode. Uh, let's talk about the end of the Boimler subplot. Um, of course, he has to go save the day. He he stays in. He sends the rest of his team out, and uh, he for the emergency shutoff. And he slaps the emergency shutoff, and it's too late. The place explodes. Boimler is flown up in the sky and lands at an awkward angle at the <laughs> at the feet of his team. Um, I don't know if he noticed that uh, Taylor, the Zinti guy, just goes and just starts throwing up like right off screen. <laughs> you can barely tell what he's doing, but it's amazing. God, I feel like I missed everything in this episode. <laughs> Jesus, you got to go rewatch it right oh now. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, but maybe we should talk about the obvious stuff, which is the things that Boimler sees once he's quote unquote dead. Yes. So was the room that he shows up in? Is that supposed to be reminiscent of like two thousand one? Do you think? I don't know. Um, a lot of people kind are of saying like it. it's um, Twin Peaks reference. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I see that? Uh, I never finished watching Twin Peaks, so who knows? Mm. I think it was hard to get through at the end there. I think it was, I don't know. I think it was just time for me. But uh, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of disappointed. How about the Black Mountain? It's an, it's kind of anticlimactic to see the Black Mountain, and it's just like he's looking at it from a window, like. 
I mean, I assume there's more to the afterlife than a room with a koala and a mountain view. <laughs> were you watching with subtitles on? I assume you were, because you normally do. Yes. And the koala, when the koala's making sounds, it just says, speaks koala. Yes. Oh, my God. Absolutely <laughs> dying. Friggin' hilarious. So, funny thing, though, um, if you pull his audio out and play it backwards, it's actually worse. Okay. Uh, oh, it is. I can't remember because I didn't write them down. <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> but it's something like, it's not your time, Bradward Boimler. And then, you know, he wakes up. Wow. I did not know that. But that makes complete sense. Whenever I hear weird noises in television shows that I like, I immediately export them and reverse them to see if they reverse audio. <laughs> It makes sense. No, hey, it doesn't. It pays off. In this I case. waste so much time <laughs> playing strange noises that mean nothing. <laughs> I can just imagine you being rooms like, this has got to say something, man. Come on. Show me the money. And you play it just like random noises. There's nothing. You're just like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. I'm that crazy conspiracy theorist who <laughs> plays the audio backwards. It's like, do you see? Do you see? That kind of sounded like, uh, uh, Copenhagen, which in Copenhagen, well, the year this was recorded, there was a firefight. And it's like, no, dude, no, you're, you've gone crazy. <laughs> oh, God. I, I love how it's implied after Boimler wakes up. The Ransom's like, yeah, man, I remember. My, it's, you you know, always remember, remember first your death. first death. It's like the implication is that people die all the time. But you know what? <laughs> when Shax came back, that's exactly what they said. People die that's right. all the time. And now that they're uh, promoted past the Ensign level, then these kinds of things are going to be happening more and more often, I guess. You know, I love the fact, though, that uh, Ta'ana brings him back and has no idea how she did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. there's a point where, like, it almost makes me think, like, she didn't think she could bring him back. Oh, he's dead. There's nothing she can do. And she just started, like, experimenting with stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, give me man. give me 30 cc's of whatever the hell just worked but you know you got to think about it because like now yeah. people die and are brought back i mean they don't call they don't really die it's not called dying what are they i don't know they're resuscitated not resurrected right but like you got to right. think like the further along we get in technology they're probably going to be able to bring people back that are further gone yeah i think they they go they do that in more than one star trek episode oh, yeah. where they let someone die for a certain amount of time yeah and it's bring them back or the, the neelix episode one of the the best episodes a voyager where he dies and he doesn't see heaven and he's all upset about it right that's right that wasn't one of the best episodes dude you shouldn't agree with me on that yeah i've really lost some voyager, respect best for Star Trek. now it's right up there with neelix cheese man everything neelix is the, the best neelix was voyager. the the star of voyager like honestly they should have <laughs> just not bothered to do voyager and it should have been just star trek the neelix, neelix. And it would all just been Neelix <laughs> in the Delta Quadrant, being a rogue trader, having fun. Uh, two you know what? Maybe you can get your wish. <laughs> God, let's not let's let's avoid the whole two-year-old girlfriend thing and talk about the other plot in this episode, which is the Mariner Tendi Rutherford hazing plot. So, can we can we before we talk about this? What was the hazing exactly? So the the hazing apparently, well, my understanding is that uh, Lieutenant Dirk is the lieutenant that you know they he's the one that greets Tendi when she first starts on the show, like the first uh, one of the first scenes of Lower Decks. They get them to scan all of the isolinear chips in the so, computer core. So I think that was the is hazing. that the hazing? Like that job didn't need to be done. 
And so that's what the hazing was? Or was the hazing that, like, it was, he was supposed to be his job and he made them do it by pretending that he had a traumatic experience as a child? That's a great question. I feel like there was some escalation there because when they're in there starting the job, they say, this is like ensign level or cadet level work. I think that was like the original haze. And then the, the escalations were just a response to what the lower deckers were doing. But see, he didn't know any of what the lower deckers were doing, did no. he? <laughs> no. No, I think that it got, it got pieced together. Although, actually, it would be hilarious this, if like, he did know. He was just like in another room watching everything they were doing. <laughs> that so, would not like, surprise me his whole, in the slightest. Because like, that, that whole thing where he's going back to his quarters to meet with Migli Mo, and he's like, oh, I'm meeting in his office, and walks away. Right. Like, yeah, that totally he had to reeks of prank yeah. right there. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, let's 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 back up. Let's talk about the how these things start off. The the Chekhov's gun, all the stuff in the anomaly storage room. Um, so here's the things I've caught. There was a a Lerpa in there, um, a Batleth in there. There was a Nomad from the original series. Yeah, what is Nomad doing in there? I don't know. like. Why is he on the Cerritos? A better question is what is the Catanian probe? That's the probe from. Uh, next gen episode, the inner light, except it's at a much smaller scale for some it's reason. It's at a smaller scale. No, Why it's not the same there? probe though. The probe. I'm pretty sure it is. Everybody's saying yeah. it is, but it's not because the Catanian probe had a hexagonal base, and it only yeah. had one spike on each side, bottom and top. I don't know what this thing is, hmm. but it's not that probe, which then makes the whole resolution where it zaps the box. And the boxes are like, oh, I miss my wife. That doesn't make any sense because it's not the probe from Inner Light. I think you're getting thrown by something in the art style because I think it's supposed to it's be. It's not art style. Thing. It is not hard to draw a hexagon. There's other hexagons. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, those uh, aren't hexagons. Damn it. No. So close. Anyway, I feel like that's what they're going for at least. Maybe it's supposed to be just a smaller version of that probe. And they changed the design just so it could be more of like a handheld. Or it's thing. like another probe from another planet. Yeah. That... From another Catanian probe. Well, no, no, it's not a Catanian probe. It's just a probe from another planet that did the same thing, right? Like a lot of worlds, when they realize they're doomed, they're like, oh, launch it into space. Like, <laughs> might as well. Oh, yeah, yeah we're facing a ecological disaster. Oh, yeah, we bred mutant slugs that are killing us all. You know, oh, yeah, we drank <laughs> all the water and now we're going to dehydrate to death. And they're like, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's, let's shoot a super probe into space and have it download <laughs> the life of one of our citizens. Because that level of technology is very achievable. But fixing mm. a damn problem is not. Hey, we're like 50 years away from that. We'll, we'll be there soon. Wait, 50 years away from downloading the entire life experiences of a person into another person? <laughs> into a probe. And, and then launching that into space? I feel like we're nowhere way. near yeah. that. Anyway, yes. that's one of the items in this, in this story. We got a little off track there. You know what really threw me off track in this room is the Billups Church Tower hat. That's the hat that turned him into a church tower. They say it. What more do you need to know? I feel like I need to see this uh, Billups Dude, Church Tower. Like I said, man, form. you know what? They're actually doing it. They're doing the really short tricks. Make it Do happen, it up. Really I want to see what happened. There's also the spider that apparently if you touch the box it's in, it will make your hand fall off and turn into a spider. Is that That's a reference to something? something? I don't know, but I don't think so. Okay. Just a random yeah. spider that makes your hand So what's the visor thing in this shot? 
Ooh, I didn't actually see the visor. Yeah, there's like, like there's one of those like crates with the weird shapes, and it's got a visor yeah. in it. It's like hanging out, Ooh. and I don't know what it is. It's killing oh, me. I don't know. I didn't recognize it. <sighs> Damn it, Stavros! I thought I could count on you. I know you thought wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, a couple other things: the Betazoid gift box, which of course we see, yes. uh, you know, more of later in the episode. That's from the next gen episode, Haven. Sadly, not voiced by Armin Shimmerman in this episode. We thought it might be because in Next Gen it was, but they didn't go that route this time. Alas, maybe just two voices is too much. Yeah, you can't have too many guests. If you're going to have Armin Shimmerman on, you should have him as Quark. Yes. Uh, but yeah, finally, the, the Chula board from the DS9 episode, Move Along Home. I love the fact that everybody loves the game. Does everybody love the game, though? I'm not sure You, you think true. Mariner did not seem like she was being sarcastic. And, like, Rutherford like, seems excited, excited about, it. about it. Does Tendi even... Oh, yeah, she does. What? She makes comments about it. Yeah, they all like it. It's good. I'm a little concerned about the Betazoid gift box, because if it does get shot by the... What we suspect might be the Catanian probe, and, it, I mean, is that a sentient... They say it's not sentient, but somehow the entire life experiences of... <laughs> <laughs> of a Catanian person gets beamed into its head. So, I mean, is the box going to be part of the evil AI episode? I feel like there's a strong oh, chance. Oh, that would be that. great. <laughs> so I want to point out something, though. Face in the box. They say yeah. in this that the box, because in the whole it's not sentient thing, they're like, oh, it just repeats things it's heard, right? And that right. leads to the whole, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know Dr. Tana was in here gag. But a better right. question is, it told Rutherford it wanted to live with him. Who yes. was Where in is this that room saying, I want to live with <laughs> Rutherford? You know, I great question. I'm a little concerned. At first I was like, Badgie? But then if you kind of carefully watch Tendi's face, she seems as she's like a little embarrassed at first, but then kind of smooths out with it. So I was like, maybe Tendi, maybe maybe uh, Badgie, but there's no real clear answer to this. Oh, yeah. Who's saying these things? And isn't Tendi the one who led them into yes, the room? That's right. Oh, my uh-huh. God. They're like, hey, look. Yeah. Wow. That's it a, could be. That's some uh, pretty deep fan theorizing we got going on here. <laughs> I feel like usually the acting and animation is not so smooth. Because if she's going to be embarrassed about it, they usually kind of play it up, right? So there's like a half second where she kind of gets an embarrassed look, but then kind of goes into explanation mode after that. Hmm. And so I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's been Tendi saying that. So I don't know. I think I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more and more towards a sentient gift box as part of the Evil AI episode coming soon. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Who knows? This may be one and done. I do want to comment on one thing though. What is up with the I miss my wife gag? So the box (laughs) says it in this episode after living the other life. And then the hologram (laughs) said it in the uh, premiere episode because, you know, Janeway murdered his wife. Great question. I don't know. I don't know. Someone, someone's really into to losing wives. Apparently, I mean, dude, I'm wondering if this is going to be like too. the uh, eye patch thing from what was it, season one or two, where just like eye patches kept popping up for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, it could be. That's going to be a running gag. Oh my god, what if there's yeah. like a running gag in every season and we've just never noticed? <laughs> it's very possible. I think we need to stop watching this drunk <laughs> and try and figure out what the running Whoa, gag slow is. Slow down. 
Are you sure? Is that worth it? <sighs> anyway. Anyway. So yeah, a lot of stuff, cool stuff in the anomaly storage room. Interesting thing. So Lieutenant Dirk comes in. They're you know assigning the lower deckers you know this absurd task to scan all of these isolinear chips. But you know what? at least they get their T88s. They don't do it with tricorders. Yeah. I feel like you can't really do like the you know grocery store kind of beeping duding. Yeah. With the tricorder. I think you gotta, uh, you gotta do the T88 to do. Well, I think tricorders are like general scanners, right? Whereas like the T88s right. are like specific scanners. They're specialized. Yeah, you like point it at something and scan it. Whereas like a tricorder, you just kind of wave it around, tells you what's in the area. Like yeah, the tricorder, you would wave it around and be like, oh, there's some, you know, food and shelves and um, a display case. And then you get the like, you know, the T88 and you start zapping things and you're like, those are Cheerios. That's a watermelon. <laughs> That's your mom. <laughs> I like that idea. You like the idea of selling your mom at the store? Man, you're a cold bastard. Yeah. Got to make money somehow. <laughs> um, I, I got to think that these T-88s are the ones that uh, Tendi and Rutherford stole from the Vancouver. Uh, I don't think they are, though, ago. because they don't have the purple stripe, do they? Oh, they do have the purple stripe. I think they do. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. all the T-88s do. Because they like, stole a whole <laughs> bag of them, right? Oh, no, they sold <laughs> right. two bags, right? Because, like, Rutherford <laughs> yeah, stole one, stole the Tendi yeah. stole one, too. They're, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now they just use them on the Cerritos. They <laughs> they uh, they scratch the serial numbers off, and they're just like black market T eighty eights. I feel they like just, they probably just registered them got. into the Cerritos's inventory, and they just never saw whatever ship that was before again. <laughs> yeah, very possible. The Vancouver's gone. Yeah, possibly. Why is Rutherford so scared of Lancelot? <laughs> I'm a little scared. Well, I mean, the in the end, don't they send Lancelot to attack Rutherford? Yeah, I get the feeling that's not a first time. (laughs) No, they just got this ferret just like running wild around the Cerritos, and it occasionally gets into things. Yeah, Rutherford's just scared of running to it in a dark Jeffrey. I do think though, you know the the ferret of Lancelot, the ferret of Billups being named Lancelot is kind of you know a good callback. What is that? You have to explain that to me. Well, because Billups is from the uh, Renaissance planet. Oh, that's right. The Right, of course. Amazing. So he named his ferret Lancelot. <laughs> the real question uh, is, why is Billups just like not keeping track of his ferret? And why is that guy so cool with just like stealing somebody else's ferret? I feel like that would get you like know. drummed out of Starfleet. Like ferret stealing seems like a pretty big deal to me. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, Lieutenant Dirk is kind of like the, the, ba- the, the ferret babysitter. He comes in and watches the ferret when billups is on an away mission or oh yeah kind of like how jordy watched spot when uh yeah data i don't remember what data did to make jordy watch spot (laughs) all i remember is wharf watching spot that's the joke (sighs) i will feed him (laughs) uh of course when things go to shit in this plot um, I think my favorite part of that uh, just kind of running around trying to fix everything before Lieutenant Dirk figures out what's going on of course we know later he of course knows exactly what's going on <laughs> is Rutherford triggering the trap in Dirk's quarters and getting slammed into the Chula board game and then him completely speed running it in like two minutes Yes, that was really amazing and I, love how, <laughs> I love how the one character in the game is just so upset <laughs> that Rutherford is Aww. doing that 
know. <laughs> you know the part where there's like the hopscotch and he's like, Goodbye, little girl, and like her face is just really upset. <laughs> All the characters in there are just really oh, sad. Oh man, yeah. I do want to say one thing though, like, what is the deal with their trap? Like, what was the plan? Like, I know it was they're gonna trap him in the game with the box because the box is super annoying. Right. But why the probe? Like, it looks like they were just using it as a counterweight. But that seems, like, super <laughs> dangerous, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like you just, I mean, you got to, like, feel like you tortured someone for 50 years, basically. Yeah. If you zapped the right person with that. Like. It seems really wrong. Like, that could have, like, really, yeah, psych- I mean, like psychologically worried about the box. people, but. you know? <laughs> Imagine Lieutenant Dirk getting hit with that. Oh, yeah. And he just comes back. Actually, like, fun fact, there was multiple follow-up scripts to The Inner Light that got rejected. That were all about... Oh, really? I didn't know that. That were all about Picard dealing with this life he lived in the past that never really happened. Oh, crazy. But that has nothing that really to do with Lower really Decks. <laughs> it's, it's tangentially related. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that was really dangerous, and they probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, very irresponsible... Warp Core 4. Yeah. Wait, what are we calling yeah. it now? The... Warp Drive 5. Warp Drive 5, right. The Warp Drive 5. Yeah, the Warp Drive 5. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Tellerite Slop Jazz. You know, I just want to know how you overdose on Ketrasil White. Like, can other species <laughs> yeah. get high off of it or something? Like, why are other people Apparently. doing Ketrasil White? You know, there's probably... It was probably referenced somewhere, but, like, I don't recall it. So, interesting thing. Like, the, so the character... I mean, the person who supposedly OD'd, his name was Fats Bazirtak. Uh, and at one point, the Lieutenant Dirk turns around and you can see he's like looking up the biography of this person. And I was like, is it like a Jem'Hadar? Because they can have kind of goofy names, but it doesn't really seem like a Jem'Hadar. And there is a picture on the pad, presumably of... Oh my god, he, like, it I is... I can't really make out what it is. You know what? I can't make out what like, it what is, is either, that? but like I can see yeah. the spelling... Berserk yeah. is totally Berzertak. a is totally a Jem'Hadar name, and now I love the I idea of a Jem'Hadar jazz musician. <laughs> How does he do that? Because they even say you know that uh, the, the being good about at slop jazz is not about dribbling spit, but actually bristle flarps, whatever that means. So I, I hope the Jem'Hadar has some bristle flarps. <laughs> well, maybe like. <laughs> Brizzle flarps isn't like a body part. Maybe it's some sort of, I don't know, musical instrument. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I spent way too long trying to figure out if there was a real brizzle or a real flarp. Oh my and, god, uh, no, dude. Came up empty. Too much no. <laughs> too much time wasted. Yeah, it was time wasted. But you know, the best resolution to that whole like slop jazz situation is they start going on about different musical types. And then at the yeah. end, Mariner's all like, he keeps sending me jazz. And I kind of like it. I kind of like it, yeah. <laughs> she's not well, upset. She's got, discovered a new interest. She's not the upset. Hazing it had some kind of benefit to it. She's her. not upset that he was sending her jazz albums constantly. She's upset no. that she's liking it. That's <laughs> so good. Oh, that was terrible. But then the thing I'm most upset about, we're going to come back to Ransom here. Lieutenant Dirk and Ransom in cahoots for the hazing. I believed in you, Ransom. I was on board with Ransom last episode, and now it's all ruined. He was on board with this with this hazing. You know what? I am not okay with Look, that. Look, every character needs a flaw, and this is Ransom's. I mean, if he was the perfect specimen of humanity, 
He just wouldn't be a believable character. So now he's got a flaw. His flaw is that, you know, he, he doesn't Too much see team building. the... Uh, Bad team building. Doesn't see the problem with hazing. Doesn't realize yeah. the dangers. Ah, I guess I can accept that. He was just winning so many points with me recently. And to have him be on board with the haze, man. Good old junior officer fun. So what do you think overall of this episode compared to the others so far? You know what? This, this season, I think uh, it's definitely been... It's a solid season. I liked this episode a lot. I don't think it's as strong as some of the ones that have been in the past, but like for like story-wise, um, and like even the gags aren't quite as strong, but I think it makes up for a lot of that with you know just the neat stuff that happens and the tight plots and the good character building and the character interactions are really good. So. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's as funny as the uh, last two episodes, but I still think it's a pretty solid episode. I enjoy the fact that we're dealing with the repercussions of their promotions a little bit. Boimler's uh, subplot is the best example of that, but I mean, even the hazing thing, I mean, that's happening to, to the Mariner Tendy and Rutherford because they got promoted. So it doesn't really advance any meta plots, but, you know, we're getting into the repercussions of the promotion and... I feel like that is something that deserves to be explored. So for that reason alone, I think I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, well, Lord Dex, despite being, you know, an animated comedy show, doesn't really shy away from continuing plot points. Like, it doesn't just do one-off episodes. That's true. Yeah, you know, I think we've talked the heck out of this episode. I, I can't wait for uh, for next week's, whatever that turns out to yeah. be. Oh, you know, one other thing I wanted to mention, actually. So um, the director of this episode, um, I think his name is Brandon Williams. He was his first, his directorial debut on Lower Decks with this episode. And I think he was an artist for on Lower Decks for a while. And he kind of got brought forward to do this one. Oh, good for him. As his first directorship. So Congratulations, whatever your name was that I already forgot because I've had too much to drink. <laughs> Brandon Williams, that's his yes, name. Yes, I was going to call him Brian him Willis, Twitter or the but that's not that guy. So close. So close. So close. Oh, but geez, yeah, I think we've gone a little overboard with this episode. A little bit. And uh, yeah, talk the hell out of it. But unfortunately, I have not drank the hell out of my drinks. This uh, episode kind of let me down. I was all geared up from last week's two episodes, and now I only get oh, one. Yeah. I'm just going to have to drink and stare at a wall or something. This is kind of depressing. I believe in you. You can make it till next week. We'll be back next week for episode four of season four. Or you can catch us on X at Lord Dorks. On the X. On the X. Is that how you say it now? On the X? I mean, you could. But you know, whatever you do, just don't, don't go rebooting your OS between now and then. I'd, I'd hate to lose you to a random volcano or ice cloud. 